Well, this morning as we prepare our hearts to share the Lord's Supper together, I would like you to turn once again to Colossians chapter 1 and verses 27 through 29. This morning we are going to focus on one verse, verse 29. But for one last time this month, I want to read the entire context because I think it's very important to understanding what I want to share with you this morning. So let's look at verses 24 through 29 of Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking of Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And here's the verse we're going to focus on. For this, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Well, our first point this morning is Christ in you. We have spent the month of February carefully thinking about the truth that Christ lives in us. I have chosen to spend the entire month of February because I believe this truth is so important to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Our focus has been verses 27 through 29, but our very specific focus has been the last seven words of verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The living God, creator of heaven and earth, has come to live within the Christian And some of the most basic and fundamental truths of our Christian life are contained in these seven words. I want to briefly review some of the powerful, potentially life-changing truths we've looked at so far. What I want to do is kind of briefly review the last three weeks, and then hopefully verse 29 will bring us to the mountaintop. It'll bring us to a crescendo of this great truth. We started off three weeks ago and we looked at Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 through 20, which is perhaps one of the greatest, if not the greatest, passage in all of the Bible on the supremacy and authority of Christ over all things, over all things. And I shared with you that this Jesus 
this supreme, all-authoritative Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the author of all creation, the head of the church, and the Savior of the world lives in you. That ought to astound us every single day of our Christian lives. He, the all-powerful, all-authoritative Christ, lives in us. And then I went on to talk about the implications and the ramifications of such a truth. And we learned that Jesus did not just die to forgive us of our sins, he died so that he might live in us. Oh, forgiveness is critically important. He did die to forgive us of our sins. And without that, we would have nothing else. But he didn't just die to forgive us. He died to reconcile us to God and then to come and live in us. I challenged all of us with the thought a few weeks ago, what if Christ had died for our sins and then just gone off and left us on our own? What if we were all by ourselves without him here? Forgiven, yes, but no power, no life. No, the fullness of the gospel is that I am forgiven. I am reconciled to a holy God, my creator. And he now lives and dwells within me. And now he is my life. That is the essence, the heartbeat of the Christian life is that Jesus Christ in you is your power, your ability, your enablement to live the Christian life, and without him you can't live it. It is a profound, life-altering time in a person's Christian life when they come to understand that we can't live the Christian life on our own. We can't do it. We were never meant to do it. If you go out there and you try to live the Christian life in the in the flesh, in your own strength, in your own ingenuity, in your own power, you are going to be horribly frustrated. You are going to burn out. You are going to give up. It is only Christ in you. It is only Christ in you that empowers you and enables you to live a life that pleases God. Apart from Christ... Apart from Christ, I can't live a life that pleases God. Do you know why? Because Jesus is the one who pleases the Father. And I need Jesus to live his life through me. I surrender, I submit, I yield, I cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit in me, which we have gone over multiple times this month because it is so important. And then in verse 28, which we looked at last week, Paul says, him, Jesus Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. It is the goal of the church, whether it is the church in St. John's, Michigan, or the church in the remotest people group anywhere in the world, the goal of the church is to present everyone mature in Christ so that Christ may fulfill his mission on this earth through his church, through us. So the key question becomes, what does it mean to be mature in Christ? That is an absolutely critical biblical question. What does it mean to be mature in Christ? What we tend to think is that it means 
being a good spouse, a good parent, a good citizen, a good employee. And all of those things are important, but they are not necessarily what it means to be mature in Christ. Because someone, even in their own flesh, even an unsaved person, can potentially make it appear, appear that they are doing all those outward things. Maturity is not primarily outward, it is primarily inward. And I shared this definition with you last week. It was the crux of the whole sermon last week. To be mature in Christ is to be so in love with Christ and so consumed with Christ that his resurrection life in us transforms who we are and how we live. At the end of this service, we're going to sing, Come People of the Risen King. Do you know why we're going to sing that? Because that's who we are. We are the people of the risen King. And to be mature in Christ means to be so in love with your Savior, to be so absolutely consumed with Him that His resurrection life in you transforms who you are and how you live your life. We looked last week at the fact that the gospel, that a key truth of the gospel is that Christ took your sinful nature and he crucified it, and in its place he put himself. God put the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the new nature in you. Christ in you. It is a complete life exchange. I have exchanged my power and ability, my human nature for his new nature, for his power, his energy, his enablement in my life. That brings us to our second point, which is Christ's energy and power, which is this last verse, verse 29, that we're looking at this morning. At the end of the message last week, I asked you to spend this week thinking about, meditating on, and reflecting on this truth. The Bible teaches that we can toil and struggle, but do it with someone else's energy and power. That it is possible as a Christian to go all out, to give everything you have, and yet do it with someone else's power and someone else's energy. And of course, that someone else is Jesus Christ. It is to live the Christian life in someone else's energy and someone else's power. In verse 29, Paul says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. What a great verse. That is one of those verses that you could just spend so much time wrestling with and thinking about and reflecting on. But I want you to notice how it starts. He says, for this I toil. And so it begs the question, what is this? For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. While putting it all together this morning, he is saying this. 
there is a mystery. There is this phenomenal, wonderful, amazing mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations, but now, but now it has been revealed to his saints. That's us. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And as you're reading along, your anticipation is heightened and you're wondering, what is this mystery? What is this great mystery? And Paul says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery is so important. It is so great. It is so universally critical that now as a church we proclaim Christ warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And to be mature in Christ is to understand what it means for Christ to live in you. That his resurrection life transforms who you are and how you live. And he says, for this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Toil here, the word toil means to work to the point of exhaustion. That this is so important. He says, I toil, I work to the point of exhaustion for this. The word struggling here refers to competing in an athletic event. It is where we derive our English word agonize. It is competing so intensely that you agonize to give your very best and he says for this for this I toil and I struggle here's the bottom line of this verse all of Paul's toil and struggling would be useless apart from Christ's power in his life it's not enough folks to give your best it's not enough to work to the point of exhaustion. You need to do it in the energy and power of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, your efforts will inevitably be useless. William Hendrickson was for many years the professor of New Testament at Calvin Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids. He is the author of most of the series of the Baker New Testament commentaries, which are still widely sold and read today. He sums up verse 29 as well as anyone I read this week. He says this, day by day, yes, even moment by moment, Christ's enabling spirit was at work within Paul's entire person, bestowing strength upon body and soul. That's what Paul's saying here. Day by day, not just day by day, Moment by moment, I love that phrase. Moment by moment, Christ's enabling spirit, Christ in you, is at work in Paul's entire person, in every part of him, intellectually, emotionally, physically. It is at work within Paul's entire person, bestowing strength upon him, body and soul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 10, as he writes to the church at Corinth, he says almost exactly the same thing that he says in this passage. 
He says, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Now watch this. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Folks, that's it. That's what I have been trying to share with you this entire month. I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet, but it was not I. It was not me, but it was God who was working through me. Let me try to end this entire month this way. You cannot possibly spend too much time exploring the riches of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can't. This is one of those truths that you can't spend too much time on. I would never say, boy, I think you're spending a little too much time on that one truth. Can't do it. Give it. Uh, my encouragement to you this morning, spend the rest of your life dwelling on those seven words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because if you do, if you really get a handle on what this truth means, God will do more in you and through you than you ever dreamed could happen. If you dwell on these seven words and really wrap your heart and mind around them, God will do more in and through you than you ever dreamed was possible. I want you to think with me just before we share the Lord's Supper together this morning. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Being a disciple of Jesus does not mean that I simply go out and try to live according to a different set of moral values, as important as that is. Okay? Being a Christian is not just going out there in the world and trying to live according to a different set of moral values than what the world lives by. No. The Christian life is the implantation of the living God in mortal men and women. It is the implantation of the Spirit of God in mortal men and women, enabling them to go out and to live a different life. Folks, your goal as a Christian is not to go out there and try to do good. Let me say that again. Your goal is not to go out there and try to do good. Your goal is to be transformed by the only one who is truly good, and that is Jesus Christ. So it's not me out there trying to do it on my own, you know, we come up with these phrases and they're good and, and, and don't misunderstand me. You, you know, we might tell our children, just do the right thing. Try to live a good life. Try to live a moral life. Folks, that's not the heart and soul of Christianity. The heart and soul of Christianity is to be totally transformed by the one, the only one who is truly good. And that is Jesus Christ himself. And then we will go out and do good. We will, but we will do it in his strength and his power. As we share the bread and the cup together, I would encourage you to commit yourself this morning to make a commitment to God that you are going to pursue with your entire being these seven words, Christ in you, the hope of glory.